the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at Hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for Hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Morning, Glory America. Bonjour, high Canada. Hugh Hewitt live on this Tuesday on the West Coast. Very sad. Toby Keith died last night at the age of 62, which is way too young. Should have been a cowboy with his first number one hit 30 years ago, 1993. And he's been out as recently as December. He was playing Vegas. So he'd been battling cancer for a long time. Welcome. Good morning to you. We'll miss Toby Keith. California won't miss the rain when it moves on. It has uh, been nonstop since last we spoke yesterday. And it had been nonstop since the day before when we spoke yesterday. And it may be going on tomorrow. And uh, here's the deal. California reacts to rain the way that Virginia reacts to snow. Really, if you were from Mars, if you're an alien and you landed on the planet in Virginia during a snowstorm or in California, Southern California, during a rainstorm, you would swear it had never happened before. Now, they're dangerous. Three people died uh, in Northern California. Trees fell on them. So I, I don't know the circumstances. That's all. And we got a bunch of rain. I mean, four inches of rain in one day in Orange County is a lot of rain. And there's no infrastructure for capturing it. It just rolls out to the ocean. There's some infrastructure. It helps the groundwater. When it gets up in the mountain is when it makes snow, and that's when it, it – we're, we're fine. This is two years running, and I, I asked last year, how many years will it take for California to no longer be the California that I moved to in 1978 and again in 1989, meaning, you know, the turn on the light and the, and the 70-degree temperatures around October 1 – and turn them off on June 30th. That's when it gets hot. It goes to 72 for the, you know, between June 30th and, and October 1. And that's California. That's why Steve Martin made the Weatherman movie out here about being a weatherman in Southern California. There's nothing to do. But boy, when there is something to do, they go crazy over it. And so I just watched Better Call Saul yesterday and stayed home. My, my fixer did not come through with my dosey dose. I just want you to know that. Um, uh, Mr. PhD, MyPhDWeightLoss.com got the better of it. Uh, and I was stood outside in the rain waiting for my my. Cab. More about that later. Uh, here are some headlines. Israel says half of Hamas's fighters are dead or too severely wounded to work to kill. Sinwar, both of them, Sinwar the killer and Sinwar the killer, they're, they're brothers, on the run. They barely eluded capture yesterday. And Netanyahu says three, three out of four of the Hamas battalions are destroyed. There's one left or two left in Rafah. Rafah, which had about a quarter million people in it before the war began, now has a million and a quarter people in it. But the IDF is going in and they're going to kill the rest of them. And I have a thought for you. Hamas turned down the ceasefire agreement that... Our CIA director, Burns, probably the most competent member of the Biden administration, he negotiated it with Egypt, Qatar, and Israel, and they gave it to Hamas, and Hamas rejected it and demanded that Israel leave Gaza. Uh, That means, in my view, the Hamas terrorists who are living outside of Gaza are happy to have the IDF destroy the Hamas terrorists who are living inside of Gaza. They're going to take the money. And they're going to try and find a way to escape Mossad for the rest of their days. They're going to say, oh, Hamas has got billions. So they're, they're giving up. You know who else ought to get to? We have also not deterred Iran. Headline, Wall Street Journal, Iran-backed groups continue to target American bases. That happened yesterday. Uh, there's a story on the Israelis wanting Netanyahu out. 
That's not really a story. It's part of the campaign by Team Biden to undermine uh, undermine Israel. They are now turning against Israel, and, and they're pretending to turn against Biden. But Biden is the leader of the government. Biden's coalition isn't going anywhere. I mean, Netanyahu is the leader of the government. Bibi's coalition isn't going anywhere. And Biden doesn't like Bibi, but Bibi doesn't like Biden. I don't care. Israeli politics are not my deal. I follow them. I like it when they're strong. If Bibi goes away and Gallant goes in or Gantz goes in, that's fine. They need to be supported by the United States without regard to their politics. King Charles has some kind of cancer, and it's kind of serious. I assume we'll know by the end of the day. The Fleet Street dogs are are sniffing. And he went in to have old guy disease and large prostate reduced. And they found something that was not prostate cancer, which is never a good message to get. I have had many friends have prostate cancer, and they're fine. They recover. In fact, I don't know anyone who didn't in the last 15 years. But that's not what King Charles has, and they won't tell us. And Harry's flying over. So finding something when you're doing a whatever they were doing to him is not a good sign, and you just pray it's not pancreatic cancer, which is very, very difficult to work with. Uh, the post concludes, Britain expresses shock and worry over King Charles' cancer diagnosis. All right, so that's the non-news related to the border deal. Here's the news related to the border deal. It's dead. Dead, dead. If you're old enough to have seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, you'll know the parrot bit. This the- parrot is no more. It has ceased to be. It's expired and gone to see its maker. This is a late parrot. And this is a late bill. They, they, the headlines are wonderful. From the New York Times. GLP backlash to border deal reflects vanishing ground for a compromise. Doesn't tell you that Alex Padilla and the crook from New Jersey, the Democrats, they also said, no way we're voting for this. Republican opposition mounts to border for Ukraine deal. Well, actually, it mounted across the aisle. It mounted everywhere outside of the beltway. It mounted as it inevitably would because it does not have the wall. And, the, and you know, I don't understand. I tell them. I tell them, I tell them. And I go to talk to the Republican senators, and I like people like Senator Lankford and Senator Tillis. I tell them, I, tell, I think Leader McConnell saved the Constitution. I tell them, I tell them, I tell them, I tell them. You have to build the wall. Do not bring a bill that does not build the wall. If it puts the wall up, you can do anything you want. You can have expedited asylum. You can have billions for the blue cities. You've just got to build the wall. And it's because... Americans, I mean, normal people, people are driving to work right now, normal people, the first thing they do is they would put up a big stinking wall, and the second thing is they would drive the Border Patrol behind it, up and down, pick up people, and then put them back on the other side. And I don't know if you need new law to do that, uh, put them back on the other side. Trump did it. You don't need new law to build the wall. Trump did it without even an appropriation. He, he declared an emergency and reprogrammed the Pentagon funds, which... Joe Biden could do tomorrow. But unless until they build a wall, they're not serious. And it's not over 1,950 miles. It's over about 900 miles. And I don't know. There's so many different conflicting claims. I don't know how many miles have been built and how many were repaired by Trump and then are considered built by Trump. I don't care. We need 900 miles of finished wall. And unless and until that happens, it's not going to happen. There's nothing going to happen. And when they do that, everything will happen. And nothing has changed in 20 years. When we, it was 20 years after Reagan's asylum deal that border reform first began to surface. In and about 2005 or six, and every Jim Langford was James Langford. I got that wrong yesterday as well. James Langford made a funny comment yesterday in the hallways. He said, "The only reason this happens every 10 years is it takes 10 years to forget not to do this." which is pretty funny because he'd been getting beat up. It's not his fault. He got handed this and said, okay, try and get Ukraine and Israel aid and Taiwan aid. And Biden said, let's throw in the border. Maybe that'll work. And then the Democrats wouldn't do real border reform. So headline, the post, Republican opposition mounts to border for Ukraine deal. Headline Politico, Senate border deal is already more than halfway to getting blocked. Washington Post headline, border for Ukraine deal on life support as GOP opposition mounts, and then the Wall Street Journal border bill looks doomed 
as GOP senators criticize deal uh, from the Hill. Senator Tim Scott, hey, Hades, no. Now, those of us who know the Senator Scott know he's Jim Lankford, James Lankford's best friend. And he's out there saying, Hades, no. Hey, hell no. But he doesn't want to be very, very devout evangelical. He didn't want to say that. Catholics have been saying hell no forever. There's a very famous Chesterton comment about showing up at the back of the church and standing and being approached by an usher who said, sir, there are places to kneel over here. He said, leave me the hell alone. Get the hell out of here. And the usher said, I'm sorry, sir. I didn't realize you were Catholic. And I under, I've always, that's, that's what Tim Scott is not Catholic. He's evangelical. But hell no. The funniest thing is what Kurt Schlichter wrote yesterday about the bill. The funniest thing was Kurt Schlichter's tweet. And I'll tell you about it when we come back after the break. Cavs won as well. Good morning, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Stay tuned. The 1-800-520-1234. I'm going to take calls on the border bill. 1-800-520-1234. First-time callers only. I'm late, but I'm here right now. Is there still time for forgiveness? Won't you tell me how? I can't read your mind. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. I can't read your mind. What is this? This is Billy Joel's new song, Turn the Lights Back On. He performed at the uh, Grammys on Sunday night. Uh, The Senate bipartisan bill which is deader than a parrot, uh, is headlined over at Politico. Senate's border deal teeters on brink of collapse. That means collapse. But even more important, Politico, which is sort of like the beating heart of the left side of the Beltway. All right, it's, it's the left-wing Beltway press. And it's the Democratic line. It's always what Democrats think. Democrats feed. It's written by Democrats, for Democrats, by Democrats. And that's fine. Uh, Democrats deserve a website. They get Politico. And left-wingers deserve a website. They get Politico. But when Politico's lead headline is, is Anthony Blinken too nice to be Secretary of State? Start measuring the curtains, whoever wants to be Secretary of State. Maybe they're getting ready to bring in Admiral Stav. I don't know. But that, that, that is the sign that White House aides and Team Biden who've got weekended Bernie on their hands, want somebody who can actually give a speech to the American people about why we drop 85 sets of weaponry on people on Sunday. We still haven't heard from the president on that. All right, here's my new column from the um, Fox News this morning. It's called Morning Glory. New border bill fiasco, certain to hurt Biden's already plummeting numbers. COVID kept, oh, I forgot to tell you, let me put that as, I forgot to tell you what Kurt Schleicher posted yesterday. This was the funniest post of the day after about six hours of getting pummeled, starting with my show. The border bill was dead. I mean, they unleashed it on Sunday night. People read it and they said, huh, what? Are you kidding me? And the Republicans began to line up and to tell their friend, Senator Langford and their friend, Senator Tillis, it's dead, dead, dead. We're not going to do this. And by midday, it was pretty clear it was dead in a doornail because you had Alex Padilla and, and the crook from New Jersey come out and say they're not for it either. In fact, nobody came out in favor of it. And they sent poor Senator Lankford out there to be the punching bag because it's a terrible bill. You can close the border right now. It didn't build the border and the ankle bracelet stuff. There were just too many things It did not build the wall. Just too many things wrong with it. And at about uh, 2.30 West Coast, 5.30 East Coast, right before the senators went into their meeting, Kurt Schlichter performed last rites, Twitter last rites, X last rites. Siri, how can I make this bill even deader? Quote, I've arranged for a new endorsement. And he, quote, tweeted, the news that the U.S. Chamber called for the immediate passage of the border compromise. Now, the fellow who wrote that, Eric Wasson, works for Bloomberg News. And apparently Eric just got to town uh, because 
the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is not a GOP stalwart. They are a GOP Chernobyl. All right. The chamber, the Chernobyl chamber is what it ought to be called. It melted down, I don't know, four years ago when they helped the Democrats win the Congress and spend all the money with Joe Biden. When they elected Joe Biden, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce kind of lost the Republicans' attention. So nobody returns their calls. Nobody goes over there. Nobody cares what the chamber is, does, or will be. The people at the top are making Boku big dollars, and their executive board within their executive board won't throw the bums out. And so it's a left-wing organization, and their endorsement didn't mean a thing. Gosh, that was funny, Kurt. That was better than my column. I'll read my column after the break. Come right back to the Hugh Hewitt Show. I ain't as good as I once was. My, how the years have flown. But there was a time. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thanks so much for listening this morning. The news is Israel is still winning. The border bill is still dead. And it's still raining on the West Coast. Former President Trump went on Newsmax yesterday to discuss the border bill with Eric Schmidt. And here's what he said. Cut number three. Well, it's hard to believe because I think it probably would mean the end of their career. This is a, a Democrat trap. It's a trap for Republicans that would be so stupid, so foolish to sign a bill like this. This bill can't be signed. And it's not only that, it's massive amounts of money going out of town, as we say, going out of town, billions and billions and billions of dollars. And uh, it's so bad on the border. I've never seen anything like it. Actually, it's one of the worst, one of the dumbest bills I've ever seen. I think it's, it, you know, when the former president and leading front runner for the nomination says that you're not going to get the bill out of committee. So so shoot the horse. There's an old, old movie. They shoot horses, don't they? They do, and they need to shoot this horse. Cut number four. This is not possible to believe that a thing like this could happen. Uh, You already have. You don't need a bill. I had the safest border in the history of our country. We had no bill. I just said, close the border. It's closed. Then I went to Mexico. I negotiated with Mexico. They gave us 28,000 troops. They gave us a lot of other things. Stay in Mexico. Remain. We called it remain in Mexico. They gave us that. He's right. You don't need another bill. You need an animated president. Right? Weekend at Bernie is not the president. Weekend at Bernie is not working. All right now, I have this new column, and I do want to read it to you. Morning glory, new border bill, fiasco, certain to hurt Biden's numbers that are already plummeting. The subhead: Can Biden's poll numbers fall off the floor? He's trying with the border policy. Now, here's how it reads. If you go over to my ex account or you go to Fox News Opinion, close to the top there. uh, COVID kept then candidate Joe Biden in his basement for the 2020 campaign and keeping the former vice president mostly out of sight worked. It appears the increasingly infirm incumbent is going with a replay of his 2020 campaign. It won't work. Gallup tells us in polling conducted January 2 through 22, that fewer than four in 10 registered voters say President Joe Biden deserves to be reelected. Only 38% of the voters who say Biden deserves a second term, which is slightly lower than the 41% of Americans who approve of the job he is doing. In short, President's numbers probably can't go any lower. He has hit bottom and will bounce along there until November. Sunday's NBC poll had woeful numbers for Biden. Only 23% of Americans thought President Biden had greater physical and mental capacity to do the job than former President Trump. 23%. That's the sound of the bell tolling. The new border bill is not going to turn things around for the president. It's awful. It doesn't build the wall. And it proposes. Really, it does. $1.3 billion in ankle bracelets for migrants entering the country illegally. $1.3 billion in ankle bracelets. It's a diversion, the bill, that won't work. Biden's deep unpopularity has many sources. The woeful numbers are in part driven by the president's awful record on pocketbook issues. Overall, hard facts, prices are up 17% since Joe Biden was elected. Food prices are up more than 20%. Oh, and the rent is too damn high. It's gone up 18.6% since Joe Biden took office. Life was easier 
the economy better, and the United States more secure under Donald Trump. The percentage of the electorate doesn't like Trump, I know that, for any number of reasons. London bookies, by the way, legal to accept bets on our election there, but not here, have tilted bigly towards Trump. The frontrunner for the Republican nomination is a 5-6 favorite to beat Biden. Those odds represent a 54.5% likelihood of win. By contrast, Biden is now 7-4, 36% chance of winning. The miserable performance of Bidenomics is primarily to blame for the president's descent, but close behind is his manifest physical infirmity and his belief that he can bluff his way past what every viewer sees when he walks and hears when he talks. Biden's very old, older, it appears, than his chronological age, and it shows. Trump, by contrast, looks and sounds much younger than the average 77-year-old. On top of the economy and Biden's infirmity are three other key issues for 2024. First, Biden gave a big lift to Israel shortly after the slaughter of 10-7, when he visited the stricken nation. Ever since, he, or whoever is running this administration, I'm not sure, has been walking back support for Israel. Enough supporters of the Jewish state in the United States have noticed this to imperil Biden in states like Pennsylvania and Michigan. Once again, I remind you, there are four times as many Jewish Americans living in Michigan than there are Arab Americans. And even if you want to say, oh, Jews are going to support Israel, and that's not always true, and Arabs are going to support Hamas, and that's very rarely true, it's not, it's not working for them. Ditto Pennsylvania. So first, Biden walking back support for Israel, very bad idea. Second, the 8 million migrants who jumped the border in the first three years of Biden's tenure is a fact of the Biden era. He threw open the border. Turns out Americans think that's a terrible policy, and they aren't buying Biden's excuses. Next, the appeasement policies of Joe Biden. His abandonment of Afghanistan, his too little, too late, too long policy in Ukraine, and now his tit-for-tat patty cake with Iran and its many proxies in the Middle East encourage more attacks and endanger more troops and our allies. Having the always unpredictable Trump back in the Oval Office will again send the Dictators League into deep thing. Having a president who keeps the bad guys guessing turns out, well, to keep them from attacking too. One more bonus Trump advantage. Kamala Harris. There won't be any debates this fall. That's not going to happen. Ronna McDaniel and the wonderful job she'd done at the RNC, one of the best things is they told the Presidential Debate Commission, we're done with you, we're done. Donald Trump said to me, I'll debate Biden 10 times. Yesterday he said, I'd be happy to debate Biden anytime. Biden said no. Of course he said no, he can't talk. He really, he can't do a presser. When was the last time he did a press conference? Uh, a formal one. You know, stand up in the East Room, take questions from reporters, call him by name, not knowing what's coming up. Three months. So... There aren't going to be any debates, but there will be a side-by-side comparison with Kamala Harris. Now, Trump's running mate, whether it's Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Joni Ernst, Senator Dan Sullivan, all serious national security conservatives, um, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, would be a great VP, Congressman Mike Gallagher, generational choice, handsome, smart, China savvy, Ambassador Robert O'Brien, the uh, former National Security Ambassador, hostage negotiator, member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which matters a lot in Arizona and Nevada. Each of those is a serious, smart, experienced voice on national security. Not a world, sa- not a word salad and a giggle assembly line like Kamala Harris. Nine months to go to the election as of today. Nine months. I like Trump's chances, especially after the border bill fiasco. And look, do not blame Senator Lankford and Senator Tillis. They were asked by the conference, see what Biden wants to offer. If he really, really gives us, you know, the wall and a few other things, we'll try it. We'll, we'll walk it around the block. And the team Biden thought that the Republicans were unusually dumb 
and we're going to buy into this. And now he's got it's done. It's over. The bill is dead. Do we have the parrot again from Monty Python? This is the summary, right? This parrot is no more. It has ceased to be. It's expired and gone to see its maker. This is a late parrot. And this is a late border bill. It's dead. Now, the question is, how do you get aid to Israel, aid to Taiwan, aid to Ukraine? Ambassador O'Brien, the former National Security Advisor, has been shopping the idea, which I like. We will only agree to send them actual arms. Okay, F-16s, attackums, ammunition, tanks, just weaponry. They can they cannot steal that and the, and that will get through the house and the senate. Plus 18 billion for Israel, money for Taiwan and let's build the ship building part of the Biden border bill. The rest of it it's dead dead dead. Time to say a prayer. Eternal rest grant unto it, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon it and move on. As I will to the next segment. Stay tuned. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Toby Keith dead at the age of 62 this morning. That's sad news. I am joined now by United States Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas. Good morning, Senator. Welcome back. Good morning, Hugh. Though it is a sad morning, uh, my condolences to Toby Keith's family and friends, of course, all of his many fans across the country, of which we have many in Arkansas. I am sure you do. Senator, uh, let's go to the meeting that was held last night. Uh, It is reported that Senator McConnell is recommending a no vote when the border bill comes up or the security bill, whatever you want to call it, for a vote on Wednesday. How will you be voting and why? Hugh, I plan to vote no on proceeding to the bill. Um, I I won't reveal what was said in private. Um, Many senators have come out, though, and expressed their own opinion. Uh, And I share that opinion of many of them, is that wherever you stand on this bill, and I think most Republicans are opposed to in its current form, trying to move on to a 370-page bill in an area as highly technical and highly complex in immigration is unreasonable, and we should not grant um, that motion to Chuck Schumer. Uh, now, whether or not there's ever any agreement for amendments to try to improve this bill to the degree that it could be more supportable, we'll see after Wednesday. But if Chuck Schumer insists on trying to move to this bill on Wednesday, I'm confident that vote is going to fail. It may not even get uh, 50 votes, Hugh, because a number of Democrats have announced their opposition to the bill, too. Now, an open amendment process, if he agreed to that, does that require 60 votes at the end as well? Because, you know, I'm I'm not afraid to try and fix something like strike. My, my I got to tell you, Senator, one point three billion dollars for ankle bracelets. What, what did you think of that when you first saw that? Well, Hugh, yeah, so as a matter of Senate procedure, yes, there, there is typically 160 votes uh, threshold to start debate on a bill and start the amendment process if Schumer ever allows amendments, which he normally doesn't. And then there's a 60 vote threshold on the back end to close debate and move on to the final vote on the bill. Um, there's a lot of I have a lot of reservations uh, about the immigration portions of the bill, and I've expressed some of those publicly um, you've mentioned several of them on your show as well. Um, we'll see again if there's enough amendments uh, that are going to be ruled in order and that Schumer's going to allow a vote on that our conference thinks it can pass. But uh, right now, I, I think that uh, it's simply premature to be moving on to this bill. Um, I will say this, though, um, and I, in addition to commending James Lankford for his work, even though it didn't produce a 
the negotiation didn't produce a bill that I can support. I also want to commend Susan Collins on her work on the military portions of this bill. Um, whatever happens with this bill uh, itself, I think all of your listeners should look carefully at the way the money invests in our military and invests in uh, deterring China and the Western Pacific and supporting Israel and Ukraine as well with military aid. And that should really be a jumping off point for future negotiations, say, over our annual defense bill or whatever comes after this bill. So I do want to commend Susan Collins for her great work on the military parts of this bill. And again, James Langford is a good man. He's a good friend and a good senator for Oklahoma. But what you had here was the Republicans trying to see what the Democrats were willing to do to secure our border, what their best offer was. And we see that this is their best offer. It's not a very good offer you. No, it's a um, terrible offer. Yeah, it's so, so bad. Weird. No wall and a billion, and billion three for ankle bracelets. 90-day hearings that they're all going to skip town on. I, I don't understand this. I do understand. Here, here, another Flushing. thing, too, I just would, I, I want to point out, too, because, again, immigration is a highly technical, complex area of law, um, and liberals in Washington care deeply about it. They, are, they have an ideological commitment to open borders. So some of the provisions – that may even seem uh, beneficial to secure our border are often subject to, to sweeping loopholes that would allow the president or Alejandro Mayorkas, the secretary of Homeland Security, to waive the provisions if they think it's, quote, quote, an emergency or, quote, unquote, in the national interest. Remember, this is Alejandro Mayorkas who may be impeached today for abusing his power and discretion. Um, so the last thing we should be doing is empowering uh, the administrative state with even more discretion and even more ways to abuse the law and let illegal migrants into this country. Now, it is said, and I want to rebut this, that this is the best the Republicans will ever get. I don't believe that. I think you can get the Senate, hold the House and elect a Republican president and then reconciliation can build the wall or reprogramming and, and the defense budget. Reconciliation allows you to move with 50 votes. And people forget that Joe Biden passed his massive spending with 50 votes. So the Republicans don't have to settle for this. They should. They do have to win, though. That's the bottom we line. Do. First, you got to no, win. We, we do have to win. That's right. And uh, I, I think we're on path to win because of President Biden's failed disastrous border policies because of runaway inflation, because of the humiliations that Joe Biden has inflicted on America repeatedly around the world. So I do think we're on path to win. And you are right that while we can't pass all of a bill like this or a much improved version of this bill um, using the fast-track budget procedures that President Biden used or that President Trump used uh, the tax bill, we can pass much of what we need. And also, too, Hugh, let's remember that Donald Trump had by and large secured our border well before uh, the pandemic hit in 2020 when we shut it down for public health reasons. And he was also on path by 2019 to building the wall. I wish we had gotten that, that done starting the first day of 2017. I'm confident we will start it the first day next year in January 2025. So the president will uh, have the authority he needs. Congress can appropriate the money uh, to ex- exercise that authority to secure our border and stop this slow motion invasion. Uh, Senator, I, I believe that when you send signals, people hear them and they don't give all their money to coyotes and they don't send someone walking through the Darien Gap. But we're, we haven't been sending signals. Do you believe that would be migrants listen to what's going on in, in D.C. and take account of it? Uh, oh, no question. It's one, of, it's one of the single biggest signals. Just look at the numbers after Donald Trump was elected. In November of 2016, um, crossings started be- began to decline, even before he became president. Why? Because would-be migrants thought they wouldn't get in. Um, Hugh, I remember being in Serbia in the winter of 2016 at the height of the migrant crisis there. Um, and we saw people not just from, say, Libya or Syria, but Iraq and Afghanistan, places in places in those countries that are not at war. I remember vividly. John McCain with a large group of senators through an interpreter talking to an Afghan elder who had brought, I don't know, 20 or 25 members of his tribe. And the first word out of the tribal elder's mouth was all I needed to hear. I didn't need to hear any more translation. I could just walk away because the first word out of his mouth was Merkel. Because as you recall, a few months earlier, Angela Merkel, then the chancellor of Germany, uh, had basically uh, said that they were going to have a welcoming culture in Germany. Anyone who got there could, could come. 
And that's what Joe Biden did throughout the campaign of 2020 and what he's done since then. Dude, there, there was, I'm also reminded of a story in the New York Times a few weeks ago about a migrant at our border from Ghana, of all places, in Western Africa. And he said that traditionally, Ghanaians will go to Europe. They won't make the trek across the ocean to come to America. So why did he do it? He said, we chose America instead of Europe because it's easier to get in here. And you know what, the, you know what he did after he uh, gave that interview to the New York Times, Hugh? I would bet... I would bet you almost anything that he sent a text message or a DM back to all of his family and friends in Ghana and said, hey, I got in. You can, too. Yeah. The day the day Donald Trump takes office is the day those migrants start sending text messages and DMs back saying, hey, I didn't get in. I'm stuck in Mexico. Don't come. Uh, That is, in a nutshell, the entire border debate. Senator, I want to turn to Politico. You and I both know it's way left. But the headline at the top of the page today Quote, is Anthony Blinken too nice to be secretary of state? Uh, When you see a headline like this and a story like this, you've been around Washington a decade now. What's your immediate reaction when you see is Anthony Blinken too nice to be secretary of state leading Politico? (laughs) Well, I I guess that's the liberals at Politico trying to excuse Secretary Blinken and Joe Biden's failures. Um, I don't know if he's too nice or not. What he is is incompetent and overwhelmed by events just like Joe Biden is overwhelmed by events um, and, uh, you know, that um, events are riding him, not the other way around, whether it's um, the war in Ukraine, the collapse in Afghanistan, Iran's continued campaign of terror, which did not stop with our relatively modest strikes last week. Um, Secretary Blinken, especially Joe Biden, simply cannot match uh, what events are putting their way. And those events are coming in part because of their own weakness and failures. Now, I don't know if you listen to the commentary podcast. It's the one I listen to every day. Yesterday, John Podhoritz, no fan of the president, you know, fierce critic, serious guy on national security, says it's a remarkable thing that America can hit 85 targets at the same time in three different countries. And it ought to have sent a message to Iran that we can do that to you, too. But clearly, Iran didn't get the message. And J-Pod, as he goes by on X-Pod, on X, commented on the podcast, it's because nobody said anything. It's neither Blinken nor Harris nor Lloyd Austin nor Tony Blinken. None of them can deliver a message, Senator. Um, And most of all, Joe Biden. Joe Biden still has not, to my knowledge, said anything on camera since those strikes the other night. There was no address in the Oval Office or from uh, anywhere else in the West Wing. He hasn't even given a speech about it while he's been out stumping for bucks in California and Nevada. Um, but no, no, no one in this administration strikes fear into the heart of the Ayatollahs. In fact, the Ayatollahs are laughing at us because, again, what did we do last week? We, we struck largely a bunch of empty warehouses or command and control facilities or radar sites. I mean, they, I guess that's better than nothing, but they can rebuild those things. To my knowledge, we didn't kill a sing, single key leader from Iran like when Donald oh. Trump struck and killed Qasem Soleimani, in part Senator, because they telegraphed for five days. Let me, let me play for you Major General Patrick Ryder at the Pentagon yesterday. Cut number 14. Can you please tell us, did any Iranians die in the attacks on Friday? Uh, so, Laura, as I understand it, uh, CENTCOM is continuing to assess, um, but initial indications are uh, we're not aware of any Iranians killed. But again, we'll continue to analyze. And as we so, Senator, I'm pretty sure the Iranians will fight to the last Hezbollah, Houthi and Hamas terrorists out there. But we're not going to deter them this way. Yeah, he, he, as the joke sometimes go, Iran is perfectly happy to fight America and Israel to the very last Arab. Um, but until you start killing key Iranian leaders, the leaders of their shock forces in the Revolutionary Guard Corps, the Quds Force, they will again continue to laugh and high five. Iran has, had, for 30 years, has had a proxy strategy of using these Arab militias and rebels and terrorists to kill Americans and Israelis, and then they deny responsibility. When we only strike back at those terrorist proxies, we are simply validating their proxy strategy. This is not what Donald Trump did in 2020 when he killed Qasem Soleimani. It's not what Ronald Reagan did when he sank half of Iran's Navy in 1988. Both cases, Iran pulled in its horns because it was scared of America. We no know what works. And Joe Biden won't do it. Senator Tom Cotton, thank you. Always a pleasure. Don't go anywhere, America. Generalissimo, I'm out of dosey dose. And you're the MyPhDWeightLoss.com guy, yep. but you're my, my dealer. I have 22 boxes that will be there by 3.30 this afternoon. That's what all dealers say. 
Does myphdweightloss.com know that you are uh, doubling as a dealer of dosidos? Um, no. Well, we'd better repeat then. You lost they, fifty they, pounds they using would, they the would program. Care, they would care mightily if I was the consumer of said dosidos. Well, you're you're definitely not taking the people who are on the myphdweightloss.com program. I'm not. I'm not corrupting. I'm not corrupting active clients. You're, you're recommending people who have eaten too many dosidos call 864-644-1900. That would not be me because I'm still at my, my normal weight, 864-644-1900. Not However, long. after 22 boxes of dosidos, I'm not sure I will be. Yeah, I'm not sure you will be either. You, that's a lot of miles. That, that's that's going to take you at, at your at your rate per mile. That's 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 weak. Uh, no, no, I I did I, I do twenty miles a week. Well, that's another myphdweightloss.com. dot com. Welcome back, America. That music means David Drucker of the Dispatch is in the house. Good morning, David. Morning, you. Your old. Stomping grounds are underwater. We may be the lost planet by the time this broadcast is over. But that, I'm, it, it's like Virginia in a snowstorm. Everything stops. David, uh, it seems to me the border bill is deader than the parrot and Monty Python and the Holy Grail. What do you think? Well, it's certainly not in good shape. I mean, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with the vote that we expect on Wednesday. We will see if after some time passes and there are more talks and negotiations, something moves. But clearly, uh, every indication we're getting is that this thing is is stuck and not going anywhere. Now, among the Democrats, Alex Padilla of California and the crook from New Jersey have said no. I haven't seen one Republican say yes who's not named Lankford or Tillis, maybe Leader McConnell. Anyone out there pushing the bill? Look, not that I'm aware of. I mean, it, it could get, what, half a dozen Republican votes at this point, uh, maybe. I, I don't. It, it's clearly not going to be enough to make up for the Democrats that stay off the bill and, and get to 60 votes. As everybody uh, may remember, obviously you do, Hugh, uh, to pass any legislation in the Senate, almost any legislation, you need 60 votes. And that's what makes this thing a tough uh, climb given the politics surrounding the bill in an election year. Now, I want to read for you Kurt Schlichter's post on X yesterday. It was uh, late in the afternoon, West Coast time, so almost you'd gone home probably. But Schlichter posted, Siri, how can I make this bill even deader? I have arranged for a new endorsement. And he quote tweeted Eric Wasson, U.S. Chamber, a GOP stalwart, calls for immediate passage of the Porter Compromise. I laughed out loud. The chamber is like the kiss of death for Republicans right now. Yeah, a, a little bit of a misread there. The, the, the U.S. Chamber and the, and, the, and the Republican Party, at least on Capitol Hill, have had a falling out uh, going back a good four or five years now and, and really reached an apex in the last couple of years. So they're, they're not going to have the poll that they had 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. That's just simply not going to help. So, David, the president's numbers are awful. I read on my Fox News <clears throat> column how bad they are, are extraordinary. I mean, lower than any incumbent president at this point, I believe, ever. Have they begun to panic? I don't sense that there's panic inside the president's team. I think there's concern. I think you can divide Democrats into two camps. Some generally that are panicking are very concerned, let's say, and some that believe that over the breadth of a campaign against Donald Trump, that things will get where they need to be. I think some of that confidence is based on how bad the president's numbers were heading into the 2022 midterm elections and everything basically turned out okay, more or less. And and the party overperformed at the very least, the Democratic Party. So, um, I, you know, I think if, if Democrats are still in this kind of trouble or the president, I should say, is still in this kind of trouble after Labor Day, I think you'd see more panic set in. But for now, I think they believe those that aren't as concerned that they're doing the work necessary. They're running against a flawed, uh, almost de facto nominee, not quite, but almost, and that they'll get things right side up and, and things will be OK. All right, so let me read you the headline from Politico. And you and I know Politico is the the talking points for the Democratic Party. Uh, column at the top uh, by Nahal Tusi. I don't know Nahal. 
is Anthony Blinken too nice to be Secretary of State? That's the big header at Politico.com. Is Anthony Blinken too nice to be Secretary of State? What is the message of that headline, David Drucker? I have no idea. I have, I have not read the story. All I would say, Hugh, is, is and I'm, you know, look, I've been doing this now, what, almost two decades. Uh, there's a lot of focus on staff, especially senior staff at the presidential level, especially cabinet secretaries. But all policy and all tone generally flows from the president. And so any issue somebody has, take it up with the boss. Uh, secretaries don't they do matter. They're not insignificant, but everything flows from the Oval. But it's a tried and true. I've only been in, in the Beltway since 1983, off and on. And so I only have 40 years of experience at seeing when the uh, when the wagons are circled and the arrows are flying in at one target. And and this is it. Is Anthony Blinken too nice to be secretary of state? That's not a good sign for Anthony Blinken. Somebody suggested that storyline. Right. It hadn't occurred to me until yesterday. Well, not necessarily. And that's why I'd have to read the story to be able to give you a better read there. Some of these things flow from the, the brains of, of writers, which is why some of them are so harebrained. All right. I mean, that's the, some of the things we come up with. And I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a reporter. Uh, sometimes it's off the mark. And sometimes we're talking to people not inside uh, the circle. So I'd have to read it to know. Let me give you one sentence. Most others who spoke sure. to me were granted anonymity because of the sensitivity of the topic. Their responses about Blinken ranged from disdain for my question to disdain for Blinken's performance. The only thing most agreed upon is that Blinken faces an exceptionally hard challenge. Uh, what's that sound like to you, David? Well, it sounds like I'd have to read more of the piece, but clearly he's got some critics. Got people inside the building who want to throw them from the seventh floor. Never a good sign. Never read a story like this about Pompeo. Read lots of stories like this about Tillerson. It's what happens when the tried and true Washington dance begins. They're gathering around the tomb. Thank you, David Drucker. On X, it's David M. Drucker with The Dispatch. I'll be right back. Byron York joins me next on The Hugh Hewitt Show. Folks, America's colleges and universities today are less concerned with critical thinking than with indoctrination. No wonder that so many young Americans embrace cancel culture, deny free speech to conservatives, and celebrate, actually celebrate terrorism. But I'm happy to report there is a college where students debate ideas openly and honestly, where they pursue truth together with their professors, and where America's great heritage of liberty is studied and revered. My favorite college, Hillsdale College. You can learn more at Q4Hillsdale.com. That's Q4Hillsdale.com. Good morning, Glory America. Bonjour. Hi, Canada. Hugh Hewitt on the California coast where it's raining. So the world is ending. Byron York is on the other side of the country uh, because that's where he's been forever. I don't know how long Byron York has lived there working for the Washington Examiner and Fox News. But as long as I, I moved there in 83, Byron, when did you move to D.C.? I came at the end of the Harding administration. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had some tough years. Uh, certainly after Coolidge, but uh, here we are. Well, have you ever gone through a California rainy season? Because the, you would think, it, if you were from Mars, you would think this had never happened before. You know, it's actually interesting. I flew into, there was, uh, I flew into San Francisco uh, at the beginning of one of these atmospheric rivers a couple of years ago, um, just actually for a kind of a, a vacation, and um, went to a place you know, well north of San Francisco that uh, had, had gotten a lot of damage. But the big effect of it was there had been a drought, and at the time Yosemite Falls was dry. And then after this, bam, it was beautiful. Oh, it is, that is. I, I tell my law students every year, you should have skipped class and gone to Yosemite today because it's about a four-hour drive, and they never do it, and they waste their day instead of going to Yosemite. But the funny part is, Rain is what we want. We always want rain. We want too much rain, but we always get end-of-world coverage. Let's go to the end-of-world <laughs> coverage around the border bill, because there I think it's deserved. I think the parrot is dead, to quote Monty Python. What do you think, uh, Byron <laughs> <Yes>. York? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Did, did you see the um, quote from John Thune, number two in the Senate, Republican uh, number two in the Senate? So he's asked about this, and he hasn't come out against it. John Barrasso, number three, has come out against it. Mitch McConnell, of course, is the only you know guaranteed yes vote, as a matter of fact. So they asked Thune, and he said, um, 
I'm like everyone else. I'm reviewing the text. I think James Langford worked as hard as he could. Got the best deal he could under the circumstances. We'll see where it goes. That is, that's like last rites. In, in the Catholic Church, we'd be Latin, we'd get the Latin guys singing in the background, the Gregorian chant going. Joni Ernst said much the same thing, because, look, Langford did work hard, but Democrats don't want a secure border, Byron. If they did, they could do it tomorrow. And obviously, and, and you know, even, even if the bill had actual provisions that Republicans liked, they wouldn't trust the current executive branch to actually enforce it. I mean, that's been the whole problem is that President Biden's claim that uh, he needed this law to be able to, quote, close down the border uh, was absolutely ludicrous. I mean, he has all the, the authority he, he needs right now to do so. So, I mean, it was, it was just it was all fake and it, and it, and it always was. Now, the thing that, that uh, I haven't heard all of your show this morning about, I mean, the thing you've got to think about here is Ukraine and Israel, um, because it was the, just the world's stupidest thing to attach aid to Ukraine and Israel. And there are people who object to both on Capitol Hill, but it was the craziest thing in the world to attach aid to Ukraine and Israel to the most intractable, unsolvable issue in American politics which is immigration. Unless you were going to build the wall. If they had done the one big thing that could well, get a bill passed, do I don't even know if it would be enough, but it's a minimum. right? I always said it's the necessary but not sufficient step, and they don't build the wall. In fact, okay, Byron, we, I can beat a dead horse for a little bit longer. There's $1.3 billion in the proposed bill for ankle bracelets. Yeah. Who? What that. were they thinking? <laughs> You know, the, the the interesting idea is they, they act like it's really tough because we're going to detain more people. And clearly, what the, the, the way to solve the problem is to return more people, to not allow them to stay in the United States, to take away the reward of permanent residency in the United States for crossing illegally into the country. That, um, that is it. That, it's not complicated. It is not yeah. complicated. That's so, Byron, I got to tell you the other best thing of yesterday, because the thing was dead by nightfall. Uh, yeah. I said I, I, was, I was texting with a friend. I said, unless the Republicans go all Butch Cassidy in the Sundance kit and my interlocutor was too young to know what that means. What's that mean to you? Uh, that means you uh, jump into the river, you jump off <laughs> Wait, the cliff. No, the river. That's part of it. I, th- I was thinking of the very last scene. Oh, the very yeah, last scene. Columbia, <laughs> South America. Oh, let's, let's guns blazing. Let's go out. Guns there. blazing. Let's run for it. And you know, you, you don't see the end of the. I'm sorry if I did a spoiler for anyone there, but the, unless the Republicans <laughs> go all Bush Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, this thing is dead. So Kurt Schlichter posts, Siri, how can I make this bill even deader? I've arranged for a new endorsement, he writes. And then he, he quote tweets Eric Wasson, who writes, U.S. Chamber, a GOP stalwart, calls for immediate passage of the border compromise. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> the idea that the that. U.S. Chamber has any influence on anything, it's just like putting the sticker sell-by date on it, and it's already sold. You know, uh, and also just procedurally here on this, I, I was communicating with somebody who's a longtime veteran Capitol Hill uh, immigration, was talking about the Gang of Eight, the big, um, the last really big comprehensive immigration reform attempt that failed in 2013, hurt Marco Rubio's chances uh, running for president later. Uh, and this, uh, this guy wrote, at least the Gang of Eight was considered under regular order. It was marked up in the Judiciary Committee, fully considered on the Senate floor. The 370 pages of this border deal was crafted behind closed doors by three senators released in the last minute and jammed into the supplemental security bill with no opportunity for senators to amend it. So, I mean, if anybody was serious about this, which they're not, um, this bill would face a long process of uh, a debate and amendment. But since they're not, and it, it comes out on Monday and you got to vote on it on Wednesday, it'll just go they're, away. They're not going to have a vote. It's so dead. Uh, Senator Lankford yesterday said the funniest thing. 
He said, the only reason we try border reform every 10 years is it takes 10 years to forget what happened to the last guy who proposed it. And that would be Marco Rubio and before him, John Kyle, right? So it's just not what you want to do ever. I got a note from a senator who I wrongly connected with the 2013 uh, bill. And they wanted it perfectly clear. They had nothing to do with 2013. So it goes on longer. It's a it's like Chernobyl. It's a meltdown of extraordinary proportions. So, Byron, the president, I've got a new Fox News column today that that goes off both the border bill fiasco and the president's horrific numbers in the NBC News poll. Did you look at those numbers? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting is every now and then a new poll comes along that provides new emphasis to somebody in the decision-making or opinion-making world that Joe Biden is in really, really bad shape. Remember several months ago, there was a series of polls in the New York Times about uh, Biden trailing Trump in, I think, five out of six key swing states. Now, this is just Biden's terrible in everything. It's the weekend at Bernie's poll. It is just that bad. Only 23% think he's more physically fit physically and mentally fit to handle the job than Donald Trump. Only uh, well, that, those are Nixon numbers. Yeah, I mean, it's just pretty obvious. I mean, and you shouldn't actually be surprised at that. It's it's pretty obvious. Oh, and people lie all the now, time just to protect their their party. Right. So they were honest. And now that now that we're in an election year, though, I think they're beginning to look at just the the numerical relationship between job approval rating and getting reelected. And right now he's at 37. Now, what generally happens in the final weeks of campaign is the president's job approval is going to go up and uh, it, it will and he'll do better uh, in the election when things are hyper partisan. They come to a head on Election Day. Uh, he'll do better than his approval was six or nine months. By- Byron, can I Hey, I'd like to keep you for an extra segment this morning? I don't know if sure. I can, but I want to push back when they reanimate Lincoln at Disneyland when he breaks, they're always worried it's going to be worse. So if if they try and reanimate the president and he, it's actually worse than people, they've been hiding him. Don't you think his numbers could well, even I mean, go it lower? Could be. It, well, it's, it's, it's possible with Joe Biden because of the infirmity issue. Uh, but in the past, when people didn't wonder whether the president was like too senile for the job, in the past when they simply thought he'd done a bad job or disagreed with his policies, still partisanship tends to increase. Like Obama was, at, I think, got to 46 uh, in the election year of 2012, the re-election year of 2012. And, but he got to 50, 51 on election day, which is where you needed to be. Um, and they, they look at Biden at 37 and say, 51 ain't going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to talk to Byron after the break, because during the break, Byron, would you check at Politico? Because I want you to tell me how you read the sign when the headline is. I mean, the big headline, the only headline you read. Is Anthony Blinken too nice to be Secretary of State? That's like a message in in the Beltway. That is a a text message of a flash flood coming for Tony Blinken at, at Foggy Bottom. Stay tuned, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Justice is the one thing you should always find. You gotta settle up your boys. You gotta drop. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt, live from California. Sad news this morning. Toby Keith passed away at the age of 62 hours ago. That is very sad. I'm joined by Byron York of the Washington Examiner, also Fox News contributor. Byron, uh, during the break, I hope you visited Politico and saw the headline Is Anthony Blinken too nice to be Secretary of State? What does that tell you, Byron York? I did. First of all, you're inserting an H into his name. It is Anthony Blinken. Anthony, I'm sorry. I always do it that. It is Anthony Blinken. I always do it, too. Uh, this article is the first step uh, in the gold watch process, um, where there's somebody on your team, and uh, you don't want to hurt their feelings or anything, but it's time for them to go, uh, and you, you need to tell them sort of how, how great they are. And in this case, it's, he's just such a wonderful guy, except maybe he's not totally suited for his job. Now, the, the, the second paragraph is actually comedic. It talks about how Blinken gets mad, but he doesn't yell or he doesn't scream. His voice changes in a way that those close to him struggle to describe as beyond the word intense. If there is a table in front of him, he'll tap it for emphasis. <laughs> 
like this. That makes Dwayne crazy when I do that. If that's all you did, it would make me crazy. It's when you do this. Yeah, so so the point is, dead man walking, just like the bill. Yeah. Why do you think, I have a theory as to why they got to dump Blinken. They need someone who can talk to the American people during a war. It's not Tony Blinken, and it's not Lloyd Austin, and it's not Jake Sullivan, and it's not Joe Biden. Well, they have such, I mean, because of the uh, Hamas attack and the subsequent Israel-Hamas war, uh, they have they have just had tortured relations. With, they meaning the Democratic Party and Democratic leaders they had just tortured relations with their left flank, uh, with younger voters. And as they look at the polls that we were talking about, about you know Biden's just terrible numbers across the board. Some of those people he has terrible numbers with are young people and some minorities, and they interpret that as having something to do with. Um, Biden's position on uh, on the Middle East, and so they're they're trying to fix the problem somehow, um, and they can't, of course, because the problem is the president. The problem is the president. They need someone who could actually give a speech about why we've hit eighty five targets. It's still unbelievable. The president of the United States had not said anything about eighty five striking three countries uh, over. Uh, yeah. 85-year, and he hasn't said a word about it in public. Last question, Byron. Yeah. Fear grows a key Trump legal fight could be delayed. This is a story in The Hill. Legal observers are growing increasingly worried that President Trump's criminal prosecution related to an allegedly lawless campaign to overturn the 2020 election could be delayed past November, which could help yeah. bolster his efforts. Now, it quotes Norm Eisen. It quotes uh, Neil Katyal. <laughs> And it quotes Andrew Weissman. Okay. What, what do you think of that? Through there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they are afraid. I mean, they're 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 very afraid about this because obviously Jack Smith's goal was to uh, indict, try, convict, and jail Donald Trump before the election. And just the other day, Judge Chutkin kind of threw in the towel about her March fourth uh, uh, starting date, which everybody knew was not going to happen. That's the Jack Smith 2020 trial. And that's the one in which they had invested most of their hopes. And we could very well have a situation with the 2020 trial uh, taken up by one, this fight over presidential immunity. And two, let's don't forget this fight over 1512C2, which is a really, really, really important um, uh, legal battle uh, over, a, over a law that has been used now against Trump, but also against tons of J6 uh, rioters. So anyway, that seems to be going away. What we could end up with is Alvin Bragg, what yeah. everybody saw. As Alvin Bragg center indictment. stage. The first one out the door, the first to indict Trump could be the first to try Trump on the, and on the worst, the worst of the bad cases as well as generally go. is agreed. There you go. And that could be the, the first case and perhaps the only case this year but Byron, my quick Trump. question, uh, you know, in, in your young days when Halloween came around, you got word on where they were giving out big candy bars. This story is like they went to MSNBC and waited for people to emerge to get quotes. Is, is there anyone who doesn't see that? I mean, isn't this crazily left wing? <laughs> you know, it, it would be good to do an analysis just today of the people who are quoted in all these articles we just talked about. I think there's something, they have something in common. I think they do. They go to the same, they go over to NBC and they hang around for the NBC legal analysts, legal observers to come out. Byron York on X at the Washington Examiner on Fox News. Thank you, Byron. This is Dennis Prager. I am excited to announce the all-new PragerTopia Plus. You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial-free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to 2010. And now a truly exciting new benefit, my monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. 
I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.